for me it means and i know that i'm going to i'm going to sound a little it's not my intention but for me it means knowing more about myself because at the end when you are traveling you are facing a lot of new things all the time and that means that you need to wake up parts of you that are normally sleeping when you are in, in a known environment they are like you know relaxed and lazy and then suddenly you need to you know be attentive to things and understand things and arrive to places that are new and you know you need to really put a lot of your parts awake in there because otherwise you are losing things i'm not gonna lie some days i miss the tide the scent of a salt water breeze coming over me but I have no doubt that where I am right now is right where I'm supposed to be. This is the journey of the soul. It's the adventure of me. No matter what I'm told, I know that I am free to roam my own way, to float in my own sea, to chase my own dreams on this adventure of me. That is an important part of what travels or traveling means to me. Discovering parts of myself which are sometimes good and sometimes not so good but uh, I think I have a type of trauma as a child because uh, I was born in Germany my family is Spanish but they were living in, in Germany my parents for six years my mother ten my father they immigrated and then they have a job and then after some time they went back to Spain so I was born in Germany in the snow and my first memories are this kind of white uh, landscapes and all this cold and coziness and colorful clothes and then I was sent back to Spain that's that's how I felt it since I was a child so living in Spain I was missing this I have always I think that vocation of abroad you know like being abroad I'm so boring to be in Spain you know like whoa, I never kind of fit there so I had always did since I was a child that vocation of traveling when I started traveling, it was when I finished my university. I was just wanted to go away from Spain, basically. <laughs> I had like a grant to have a project in Romania. That was my first experience alone. No idea traveling alone. Like, you know, I, I could have lost, have been lost in Heathrow forever. But, you know, I started traveling back then. I had this experience and I went back. I went to uh, Romania and I was there for one year and I was like oh my god this is so you know again I, I am alone I need to do everything on my own which is interesting and also exhausting so I started then and I am still traveling <laughs> discovering places <laughs> it was like a, a grant to develop a project for I studied advertising I basically developed a project for corporate identity I was in the University of Arts in Cluj-Napoca no one went there so when I arrived you know it was it was like a movie that's how I remember I want to do a movie of my life and I remember arriving in Cluj from Bucharest in the morning everything was kind of great I also have a lot of imagination so I add details to kind of make a beautiful context but it was basically there you know they were very nice with me they helped me a lot uh, it was quite wild because no one was going there the students were mainly Romanian I was living in a room in the University of Sculpture the only room they had for guests I was 
kind of the whole year was very strange like I had to go downstairs to have a shower I was in the middle of the students like with my clothes and the towel you know so all these weird things that I couldn't have lived if I was in Spain there was not a structured program I could basically do as I wanted and I was quite inexperienced because I just finished university I was trying to organize a whole year of a project it was very interesting and I learned a lot a lot I was traveling alone in the whole country in trains it was like living in another time back then I was very happy because despite the image that people have from Romania I I always had good experiences and uh, people were very generous with me I had a lot of stories about that year I remember once that I decided for a period to take it was 10 days holidays and travel because for my what I wanted to do it was like a corporate uh, identity research of Romania as a country from the tourism point of view so I said okay I'm going to travel that's a perfect excuse and I had like 10 days I went to the travel agency and as I said, you know, I want to reinforce that it was like living some decades ago. It was very strange, you know, things were not so developed. The woman in the travel agency, she didn't know me. She said, but why do you want to, you know, rent rooms here and there? I have friends in Brasov, for instance, and I'm, like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't know. So the thing is like, I was traveling for the whole week spending the the nights staying the nights in places of people of you know friends of friends of friends so they organized things so that I they didn't know me I was staying at their place for one week in the different cities I I was in Brasov I was in Sigishuara so I was in staying at their places at their homes they didn't accept any money nothing and they were giving me you know hosting me because someone knew me and I found that it this is quite lost now because we mistrust everyone I wouldn't allow anyone like you know like who are you I need to have your whole police report or something and I was very surprised and moved and I remember one of the stories that was again with my cinematic imagination I arrived uh, in Brasov, I stayed with a friend of a friend of a friend and I was supposed to stay two nights but the second night they said they were from, from Romania and Ecuador in that flat and the second night they said that they were receiving friends from Ecuador, I couldn't stay but they found another place for me of a friend of a friend and I was like, okay so imagine they took me on one night it was raining in the middle of Brasov like you know it's a medieval town very very kind of you know everything was dark very dim lights in the street and I was with that person that I hardly knew to stay in, a, in the house of another person that I knew at all so we arrived there in like a medieval cart and the door opened and uh, there was this woman and she said okay stay here and then she took me directly into a room that was full of things full of objects and a bed so I went there and there was like a little bathroom beside that so I was staying there there was a tv 
and she said no my mother is preparing something for you i never saw the mother it was like you know everything was very 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 like in a movie i was you know having a shower and staying in that room full of objects and she was bringing me something to eat and i heard the mother the voice somewhere and the following morning when i woke up there was the breakfast was already there and i was this is so mysterious so weird you know <laughs> that's so strange so i i left the following morning i saw the woman again thank you they she didn't accept any money any present nothing and I never saw the, the mother, so <laughs> Romania is a mysterious country. Back then I remember, I, I learned how to speak, because it's similar to Spanish, it's Latin, you know, it's based in Latin. So at the beginning I didn't sleep at all. And then I, for four months I was like frustrated, oh my god, I cannot speak. And then I was invited to an art festival in Timisoara, because I was going to show a short film that I had done. Blah, blah. I arrived there and the student that was going to be with me for the whole week, he didn't speak English at all. And I was like, okay, we have a problem here. <laughs> I don't know how, from that time, I think I arrived in Timisoara at around 10 in the morning. That afternoon, I remember talking with him about the meaning of life and this and that. And I was like, what is this coming from? Of course, I was not, I didn't have a lot of vocabulary, but that day, all the Romanian that I have been accumulating just kicked off. I have forgotten now. I mean, I understand things, but I haven't. Here in Iceland, one day I, I went to the shop and I was going to pay something and I said, good costa. And that was like Romanian suddenly from nowhere. That means uh, how much is it? And I was like, oh my God, what is this coming from <laughs> now in Iceland? You know? I think there maybe because when I was there, they still had a strong, uh, that's my impression. I mean, you need to ask a Romanian, maybe they, they will have another idea. But my impression is like, because they were an ex-communist country, maybe they were like helping each other that way. Okay. That's my feeling. Because mm -hmm. in Spain, you know, you, you, you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't stay in a, someone's place in Spain, but there. And my friends, because in, in Spain, the image of Romanian people is very, well, let's say it's not very positive. So my friends were joking with me like, hey, be careful, they are going to steal your kidneys or something. And I was like, I mean, you should come here because people, I found Romanians, like uh, they are very knowledgeable. They know different languages, like even in the village lost in the middle of nowhere they spoke different languages as i said i was staying in places and not only in that trip anywhere people were generous they were offering me food or they didn't accept anything and i think maybe because of that maybe they help each other for the tradition of the communist tradition or something i don't know how it is now because i haven't gone back there for many years now but my experience was good completely and fully and i was traveling along in the middle of the night in third class trains you know so and nothing ever happened to me or not even having someone telling me a bad word or something never people were sharing food with me like in the middle of the night and or the liquor they have a uh, tsuika is called and i was like yeah whoa. <laughs> i think in spain it's different because well i am quite critic with 
parts of Spanish people. <laughs> I think in, in Spain we mistrust more each other. I think in general, maybe because there is something called, I cannot translate that word in English, which is called a picaresca. I don't know if you know that word, but basically it's like um, the person who knows how to get away with things or how to steal without being caught. And then this is something like, it's in the Spanish culture, that role, you know? So I feel maybe we mistrust more because of that, because we have that type of characters in the culture. Mm -hmm. not, not only about people's hospitality, but in general, I feel that, you know, or, or at least more in the South. I don't know if it's more in the South, but this is what I grew up with, that you don't trust people, people are going to trick you, and that type of things that you need to be. You don't always trust what they say up front. If someone is inviting me to his or her place, hmm, it's my impression, but I, it's in general a little bit the culture like that, that you need to be careful, like, don't trust first impressions. It's a small city and I never liked it. I found, first maybe because I was born in Germany, I had that grandiosity as a child, I wanted to be different. No, I was born in Germany, you know, I, want, I, I always wanted to be different. So I just took the excuse of being born in Germany. But I never fit there. Growing there, I think everyone was so happy, you know, or, or so cheerful and now I'm quite melancholic, I'm like thinking in the snow and, you know, I felt maybe deep and people were like, hey, you know, hoo, hoo, hoo. and I was more introspective and reading a lot, not so much an ongoing child, something just, I was reading and I was like in my world always, so... Mm. And then when I grew up, grew up a little bit, then I just wanted to have ideas from here and there. And people were like, well, what are you thinking about? You know, hey, stay here. It's, this is the perfect, this is the best place in the world. I was like, uh, not really, <laughs> not for me, you know. I felt that if you didn't like the three things that you can do there, there was no way for me to stay there, you know, like football or religious things and the uh, sun and drinking. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not that. That's the thing because I don't know where is my home first. I'm still finding it out. And that's, that's something that I have been thinking a lot about even from the creative side. I have been chasing to have a home my whole life and still I am moving every X years. But I, I feel, you know, my family is there. And of course, I have grown up there until I was 20-something. And I have emotional ties there, but I don't feel it's my home. I don't feel like, wow, this is, you know, I am going back home. No. So now, on the downside, it's like, I don't know where I am at home. Mm. And that sometimes is also like, well, I would like to have that feeling. I don't know, because it has been a question since I was a child, actually. I think I am creating my home now here, mm. but still it's a question that I have there, like, you know, when am I going to feel home? Mm. So my purpose here, for whatever long I am here, it's being here with a home, mm. my own home. I feel, I was talking with my, my friend today, so I don't know because I arrived in October, I have been coming since 2014, but there is something with the mountains and with the snow and with something here that 
it creates like when I go outside of my building and I look at the mountains and I feel like feel a uh, feeling of quietness or centeredness when I look at the mountains and I'm quite uncentered, you know, like <laughs> scattered in a lot of ways. But then I feel that and it gives me a lot of security, which I haven't had in my whole life in a lot of senses. Maybe this is something to explore if this is here or it's is going to be here for one time and then I have to move somewhere, you know, I don't know. I'm starting to fear that I would be a nomad forever. <laughs> there is nothing good or bad. It's only how energy it requires from you. I moved from London and I was living in London eight years. That experience in London required a lot of energy from me because I don't want to have that burnt out here. So I want to, as long as I'm here, I want to find the opportunities and create my life here without the burning out. Because sometimes things are super difficult and it's not the same when you move at, when you are 23, when you are over 40, because things are different. And you know that you need to start everything from scratch you need to find support, like emotional. It's super intense. There is a lot of pros of traveling and being a nomad, but also it requires a lot of energy. Well, I went back to Spain and actually I felt like now the dream finished. It's okay, I had my little adventure after the university and then I'm going to be trapped because that was the feeling in Huelva. I'm going to be trapped here which is what I was fearing all my life I was living there like oh my god this city I don't like it I'm going to <gasps> I'm going to choke here and then I started working in an advertising agency having like you know the life you know like you have a job and then blah 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 and I was there for two years but I was feeling like this is not for me really then I have well I had a partner back then through him I knew that there was like a program and uh, you had to study it was like a regional test that you need to do for international trading had nothing to do with me but I studied then they chose there was like some tests and then from 500 people 15 passed and one of I was one of the 50 in international trading which is like I have no idea of international trading so we could choose destinations and one of the destinations was Tokyo basically I was kind of threatening the other 14 like don't choose Japan don't choose Japan Japan is for me so I went to Japan people were happy not to take Japan because we received the same amount of money regardless of destination. So people in Argentina had the same money for the whole year or the salary that I had for Japan. So I was like, I don't mind. I want to go to Tokyo. I was living in Tokyo for one year. That's why I have a theory called the improbable things, which is between two options, choose the one that does, is more unlikely to happen. Between going to Argentina or going to Japan, Japan sounds more unlikely. So I chose Japan and also as a creative, obviously I was fascinated with any kind of creativity, image, visuals, uh, craziness in general. So I went to Tokyo. I, I still applied, but it's very exhausting actually. <laughs> because, right? 
I have to choose always the different part. Oh my God, I just, maybe I just want to have a pizza, but then I, I just need to choose the weird dish, you know? <laughs> now I'm trying to be more flexible now. But yes, it applies. It helps me discovering things from me because sometimes I just want to choose the normal thing that I know. But it's just more about yourself when you put in a new situation, try a new food, uh, dress in a new way, something like that. So I chose Tokyo for that. And yes, I apply that for even to work. Like, oh, I'm going to take this this path to Lemur because it's, uh, oh, no. And then I chose, choose another route to go there. So I'm discovering new things or looking at new houses. There is always something new. It was an amazing experience. It was one year. And in that one year, I just kind of had the, let's say, the foundational knowledge. I would have liked to stay there because in one year in Tokyo, I think it's like, it's, everything is so condensed because everything is so, so, so different. Any, anything you can think about. Going to the supermarket is different. The posters for uh, elections is different anything in any sense visual written any sense that you can think about the smells everything was new because i think is the most the closest things to travel to mars for me is going to tokyo well japan in general but tokyo because it's so big it was very great i was working for a spanish uh, government for international trading it was like for me also a holidays a little bit from creativity because after working in advertising i was a little bit burned out of you know having to be creating all the time and so i learned a lot from the people i work with and i am still friends with them spanish and japanese and yes everything was also yes strange in a way because all the codes that you can think about are different and i have a sci-fi mind so that helps because sometimes i understood how if you stay in tokyo for two or three years you can be completely disconnected so it's an amazing city but it's also super weird and yes i have a lot of beautiful images of you know of the scenery what you can see how the contrast you know the big skyscrapers and the little hats beside the skyscrapers and the smells and the little shops for food everything was so overwhelming that if you stay, you can be completely isolated. I met some people that were living there, having a very hard life and feeling completely isolated from the rest of the 20 million people living in that city. So very, very scary in a way, but inspiring in others. It was very difficult to kind of get to the people, get to know who they are, Japanese, I mean. There was sometimes I was like, I really, you know, it's like talking with robots. <laughs> I have very good Japanese friends, but yes, you see all the ceremonial way they do things, even in a lift. I remember in a lift in superstores or something like that, in every floor, there was like the woman was inside the lift working. Every time the door opened, she had to greet the people like, Hi, Arigatou Semashita! And doing the whole with the body. 
And then the doors closed, and then the next floor she was like, Hi, Arigato And for me, I was like, Oh my god. Or even in the trains, traveling in the bullet train, in every wagon, the door here opened, psst, and she came with like an electric, super sophisticated carriage with the sweets and teas and things like that. And she was like, Hi, Arigato And doing the bowing, and then she was talking, you know, like, Hi, what do you want? Uh, that type of things in Japanese with a nice voice because you need to talk like this in the whole corridor. And then when she arrived to the end of the wagon and the door opened, she turned to the people and bowed to them. And then after half an hour, she had to do that again. And after again, and I was like, oh my God, this woman, <laughs> she's like, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I would just start laughing of the performance after <laughs> three times. Everything was so serious in that sense. Like, is the societies like that? As a foreigner, uh, the foreigner people are called gaijin. So you know, we gaijins are allowed to be to not break the rules, but don't understand them. So they sometimes, in a kind of patronizing way, like he, she is gaijin. It's okay, just not you know. Yeah, she's kind of not very <laughs> smart or something. <laughs> For me, I just looking at that woman, I was thinking I would just go crazy if I have to do this every half an hour, knowing everyone is ignoring me, and still I need to see, say the speech and blah, 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 because the standards, professional standards are like that. <sighs> like, well, maybe that, even if I kind of neglect a little bit my Spanish side, but the Spanish side of being a little bit ironic, like, come on. <laughs> You really want to do this? <laughs> What's coming? <laughs> okay, I can't, I can't deal with that. <laughs> I remember the first time. Okay, I arrived in Tokyo. I'm going to the supermarket to do the weekly shopping. I went to the supermarket, to the shopping cart, and I went into the place, and then I started looking at the aisle with the things, and I was like slowing down with the courage, like, oh my God, how am I going to eat in this city? <laughs> because everything look weird like packed things of kind of textures i have never seen before colors and things that were vacuum packed i was like, what the hell is that <laughs> i have no idea and uh, i remember three now it was common it has been more common but maybe three leaves of lettuce packed and coming from spain we are so generous with vegetables here and i was like three leaves you know what traveling also besides knowing yourself it makes you humble that's another big lesson because when you need to leave some things and you need to be so ridiculous and you need to leave your ego and what you think about yourself just to survive or to make you understand you become humble like the first time I went to the supermarket for the first time and I want to buy milk and I had like a little dictionary, okay, milk is killing you. And they were like, oh, excuse me, English. And they're like, oh. <laughs> they are panicking when they see you. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, giving you. And they were like, well, <laughs> and I was like, giving you, the pronunciation is kind of right, giving you, you know, no idea. They, they were like looking at me, what? And then, you know, I was like, okay. <sighs> Okay, I need to be humble. And then I was like, psh, psh, you know, doing the sound of the, uh, I don't know how to say that in English, the verb of extracting the meat from the cow. Ksh, ksh. 
Mu, mu. <laughs> mu, mu, and then pss, 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 and they were like, <laughs> thinking that as a gay jean, I was completely crazy. <laughs> and also, I remember another time, which was worse, because at least three or four people from the staff came. I wanted just to buy paper for the coffee machine, you know, this paper, conic paper. That's it. And I, I had spent some more time there, so I knew that paper is called kami, you know. So I was like, okay, I can handle that. And then, no idea. And then, obviously, after asking kami, kofi, kohi, no, because in, they say kohi. Kohi, uh, kami, and then I had to do the whole theatrical representation, like, okay, water, miso, Kohi. <laughs> like, I had a feeling they, they knew it, but they just wanted to see how I was doing ridiculous things to have the coffee <laughs> filter. I have the feeling that because like, they know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's clear. You put the water, you have something here, and then you have the coffee. They were like, mm, and they were asking another guy. <laughs> I have the feeling when they saw, maybe they are like in the video cameras, they saw me coming in the supermarket like, oh, oh no, we have a show now. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, it's, it's four in the afternoon, it's so boring here, let's have a show. <laughs> and I was like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> But I think it's a very humbling experience mm-hmm. because no matter what you think of yourself, then you need to put yourself in this position of, yeah, I know, I sound crazy, I'm, I'm ridiculous, I know, but... But you got milk in the end, and you got the coffee. <laughs> and I have the coffee. So I have my coffee with milk. <laughs> it's different because it's so it's very expensive. They didn't have certain things, so I think uh, probably now it's different, but maybe they, you know, this type of products, they need to import them or something. But for me, it was like, you know, I never bought until then. Then I lived in London and here is, I know it's different, but you know, normally it was like, you don't buy one apple. This is ridiculous. You buy like three kilos of apples, like uh, three kilos of tomatoes and three lettuces, you know? So it's uh, that type of generosity having been grown in Spain. So for me, it was just having everything packed, three leaves of lettuce and and one apple. It was like, "Mm, really? But yeah. And also, because also in the case of Japan, because they are like, they are a precious culture. So they they make everything precious and it is amazing. Even the most, you know, unexpectedly, you can find preciousness in, in a lot of places. You go to a normal place to eat and you find the dish is prepared with attention and with care. And I was just, you know, I was just, wow, my God, this is nice. This is nice because that connected a lot with me. No, Whatever you do, you put the care and put the love. And I don't know if I love with big words, but the care, you know, to make things nice and to have like a beautiful experience, even if you are having a tapa in a Japanese tapa bar, because it's talking about acceptance and incorporating the lessons and all the, on a bigger, more metaphorical and emotional part. It is that. It's bringing the scars with you, making them precious and making them a lesson. Then I learned how to do things and what things were. <laughs> Actually, the things that were packed, vacuum packed and were kind of alien because for me everything <laughs> was alien. 
this is like packed alien, you know. But it's called konyaku, and it's one of the very good things that I I, I like to eat. I ate well. I cooked when I cooked home. I did like basic things, but eating outside was very cheap. It was delicious. Everything was delicious. I love udon. I love ramen. I love sushi. I love more than sushi. I like sashimi a lot. Not only Japanese food, but Korean food, Thai food. You can find a amazing level of food quality in normal places. You don't have to go to fancy expensive restaurants. That's something that I actually liked a lot. You can go to an izakaya, which is like the tapas bar, and have delicious food and beer and then sing with the Japanese people when they got drunk. And uh, it was beautiful and delicious. Oh, that was another weird thing because I arrived there and uh, I was working with the Spanish people. So it was a Spanish-Japanese office. I got the accommodation through my boss there who was a Spanish. So she found me a room in a building that was full of other international, you know, people from different places. But there were a lot of Spanish working like me in different offices. It was very strange, the dynamics. There were some strange things. But I had like a room, I was my ex-partner, well, my partner back then came with me. And uh, so we were living in a room, he was working, he found job in a Spanish restaurant, actually. And I was working in the office, so there was like a small kitchen. I was the one preparing the cook and it was very simple because, you know, everything was very Japanese. So it was for no possibility to cook a lot of things. But this idea also that they helped me when I arrived, the people who have been living there for some years, they were telling me, okay, go to that supermarket and this is the office and this is the train station. They were helping me that, which was good. It is good to arrive and having that kind of initial support and then sometimes I think probably in every country that people from the same nationality living together sometimes weird things happen let's say problems sometimes but it was in a way it was interesting because you were there and we, we could call each other from our room they were like hey do you want tortilla patatas today yeah come here you know but sometimes I, I try to be with them but also have like Japanese friends or friends from other places. I remember the first one, I was in the office, you know, like doing my thing and then everything started shaking and I, I think it was only one jump. I don't think I, I even set the foot. From the place where I was sitting, I jumped like in a superhero movie and the seams of the ceiling <laughs> because I was like, oh my God. And then the, the rest of my colleagues, the Japanese, there were three Japanese women and the Spanish one, and they were like at their desk looking at me like, what are you doing? I was like, ah, there is an earthquake. <laughs> let's go, let's go this way. And they were like, no, no. <laughs> that was one around, around seven, I think. And that was the first one. And then I remember at the end, I was like sleeping on the, the mattress was on the floor, like, Okay, like, oh, well, another earthquake, oh, it's boring. <laughs> Actually, the other day I was in the office because on Wednesdays I work in an office and we were having a meeting and then I felt the shaking and I thought it was like a construction work. Like, nah. <laughs> and then they were like, ah, that's an earthquake. It's a, it's a very strange feeling. I did a session, you could book a, I think, like a workshop for 
earthquakes. So there was like a flood. They had prepared for that and it was shaking and they were telling you what to do and they were raising the intensity so that people not panicking that you need to crawl if there is smoke, you need to be under the beams or under the table and how to behave in a case of earthquake. I was telling the, the people in the office here like, nah, I did that workshop, I know what to do. <laughs> I was very very lucky because actually it's not I didn't find easy to get to know really Japanese people how they think because they are so polite I learned that because they are small island they are full of volcanoes and this and that they have so many difficulties through history that the way to keep harmony is like if you swallow your personality and you just do the theatrical thing like hi Sebastian you know like and everything is agreeing and there are no disagreements so no one is expressing their opinion so that no other people are offended it was like this type of kind of okay it's nice but at at the same time i'm not seeing who they are but i was lucky enough to make very good friends with one of my japanese colleagues tomoko and she was she's amazing then she introduced me to two other friends japanese friends that were let's say I think quite rare for Japanese people. I I really, really, really got to know them and uh, they were explaining me things and we were having fun and they were part, they were very, very nice. They visited me when I came back, they visited me in Spain also. It was, it was very nice and I'm in touch with, with them still. I was very impacted by what I told you before, how easy it is to be isolated. That's on the kind of more like a deeper way, you know, like a deep thought of, yeah, it's a culture, I know it sounds topic, but if you see Blade Runner and you see that mix between all the flashy futuristic side and they are very good at that and and the, the super deep tradition, because then you were talking with people and it is so rooted, the hierarchy with old people, with women. One of the weird things is like when I was with my partner, he was very chatty. He was talking with everyone and he got along well with Japanese people. If he started talking with Japanese people and we were together in a group talking, they only looked at him. And I was there like like trying to be in their in their visuals. Hey, I'm also here, you know, I exist. <laughs> and I was first I was very annoyed, like, oh my god, this is so you know, that's because I'm a woman and blah blah blah. And then again you need to read the culture for them, even if I don't agree. Um it was a sign of respect. Because if they were men and they were looking at me, that kind of strange things but for me it was like i was very offended you know wow. on one hand a lot of rooted hierarchy even in the way they write when i went back to spain i, I studied japanese for four years they created an alphabet only for foreign words that shows a lot about their culture so you can be there but you are never going to be one of them for real you have a kaijin name written in a different alphabet. It was full of contrast. For instance, as a creative, my question was like, are they creative or not? Because you see the craziest things they do. You see Japanese culture, 
they are doing so many creative things. They are, you know, wow, over the top. And then when you met even the most crazy looking person, they answer like, hi, I saw you know, like, like the rest. So I was like, are they creative or no? I don't know. <laughs> it was full of contrast that, you know, I told you like one year there is like, it was so condensed and everything was all of, wow, oh my God, what is this? <gasps> I basically came back after one year with a lot of questions about everything. From how are they? Are they creative or not? Are they nice or not? I mean, the hierarchy and the thing with the women. Are they? I was like, oh my god, where have I have been? <laughs> I think I need to. A couple of more years would have sufficed. I think, for instance, with the futuristic and the traditional, I think they are both. And I think they are both traditional and both standard. There is one saying in Japan, and that my friends told me, that if you are, what's the name, if you have like, like a hammer, the nail, but if the nail that is a little bit higher, like it's different, receives more, you know, it's beaten more by the hammer. So there is in the culture that idea that you need to be the same. And my friend Tomoko, she was explaining me that the culture is like, you need to do the same, you need to be the same, that everyone is like for the good of the common society. So you don't matter in a way. Mm. But then on the other hand, they are doing crazy things. And I was like, okay, so how can I put these two together? I think they are both. I did a short film with Tomoko and Jiro, who was her partner. And in one scene, I needed them to be working and holding hands. So I was like, okay, now, now you need to work there and hold hands. And they were partners in real life. And they were like, you know, with a fish hand like this. And I was like, come in, but, you know, hold hands, like nicely, you're in love with each other. And they were like, but we never do that. And I was like, mm, I mean, I'm not going into your private life, but you don't hold hands, no? And they call themselves like Tomoko-san or Jiro-san, which is like Mr. Jiro, Mr. Mm -hmm. Mr. Jiro, Mrs. Tomoko. Then when they got drunk, they are super friendly. <laughs> I found them very funny. For instance, when people go drunk in London, it's different. I think they have some hidden violence in general, of course, I'm not talking. In, that's the general feeling. But when people in Japan were drunk, they were just with either sleeping or being like, hey, Frey from Spain, yeah! <laughs> I was like, they are cute. Then I came back to, well, that was a very big contrast because it was a two-year program. And the second year I need to be helping a Spanish company to sell there. I was doing, in London, I was doing, in Tokyo, I was doing a lot of research of Spanish fashion companies to go there and see how European fashion is behaving there. But when I went back to Spain, instead of being sent to a fashion company, they sent me to a... A wine company. I was like, okay, and that was in the middle of nowhere. It was in Cordoba, in the south, in a village, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to die here. <laughs> it was hard. I felt more alien in Cordoba than I felt in Japan, really. That year was very strange. I was in Cordoba for one year in the south of Spain, working for a winery. My sister was living in Germany. I was so tired of being one year in Spain, like, oh my god. And also because it was very, it was for the first time in my life, I was in a very deep Spain. Mm -hmm. And my colleagues, for instance, that work, they kind of 
I was like the monkey there, like, oh, look at her, she has been in Tokyo, ha! And I was like, eh. I didn't like that. So I was just waiting for the moment to leave. And I spent some months with my sister in Germany, looking for a job there to see if there was some opportunity, because as a, my ch uh, childhood dream that I'm German, you know, I was born in Germany. So it was not successful. I didn't find a job there. <laughs> And then after she, she had a baby, that's why I was with her that time. And then I went to Barcelona and my partner back then found a job there. And I always wanted to live in Barcelona because it's the Mecca for the creative people there. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. I will go and live in Barcelona. I always said, okay, if I have to stay in Spain, I will live in Barcelona. So I went to Barcelona and I was uh, living there for eight years, actually. It was very good, it was very nice. I was working in an agency and I met so many amazing, talented people that they are still my friends. It was very interesting, it was very beautiful. And at the end I was a little bit tired. I was tired because the city was a little bit disappointing in a way after eight years working there and living there. I always thought, okay, you know, this is for creativity and the way, you know, Barcelona marketing is done, like, oh, it's so cool, it's all these things. And, and it is cool in a lot of ways, but sometimes there was a lot of pose and posing, and I don't like the posing part. Also, I was living in the center and it was very unbearable because it was full of tourists, drinking, partying every night until three in the morning. Everything was dirty. People were just doing anything they had to in at the door. When I left every morning to go to work, you could find rivers of any type of fluid <laughs> there. And I was like, okay. I was kind of thinking, okay, so we are in Barcelona, we are so cool, but then everything is dirty. There is not like, okay, I live here and I need to wake up early. And so I didn't like that type of uncivilized behavior in a way. I think in that sense, I always felt that Europe as an ideal is full of civilized people, but in Spain it's like Mad Max, you know, in Barcelona, people, bah! you know, like throwing things from the balconies and you need to be irrational to deal with this irrationality. Things have changed after, I know, my friends told me that it has been a little bit more kind of things are taken care of so that people living there also have rights because my feeling is like, as a citizen of Barcelona, I have no rights. I have no rights to sleep. I have no rights to buy things at a decent price because everything is for tourists. I was just a little bit fed up. Fame, like Barcelona as a touristic destination of coolness and creativity and culture, which there is a lot. But if you, and I'm talking now professionally, you know, if you don't manage this, and make it balance with life there, then you are just losing authenticity and you are just creating a product and selling it no matter what. For instance, uh, flights to Barcelona, super cheap. Everyone knows because that's the idea that they are promoting. You go there and you go there to party and drink and go to the beach and just lie there in your own vomits or something. And from my perspective as a person working in 
as a citizen, but also I then I my professionality goes there like okay, like um, it's like you know there is so much culture, then there is so much beauty in the landscaping. So why are you just using the chip of the Spanish uh, dream of sangria and paella and getting drunk? You know, just use the culture, use the everything that that has. You know, there is fashion, there is culture, there is uh, design do that you know focus on that so attract people that really value that not just getting drunk but they still have this in my opinion short-term mentality of just you know let's just catch on the people coming here and don't offer like a good service or product just take their money and and i don't like that when i was there i was very fortunate i think that the people who arrived from different places we are all different we were completely different from each other but we got along very well and the team it was amazing i think that's rare actually i have discussed that with them because i have never felt like that after i have never met like a team like that that you are different you are you know completely different backgrounds and ways of being and then everyone is getting along well together and there were no between us then there were some problems with the bosses and things but the team there was always you know good connection a lot of sense of humor we were working a lot but it was very 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 fulfilling because we were very creative i had a boss he was very inspiring so it was like oh my god i was learning constantly i, I like learning new things new techniques new areas we were doing that you know i was learning from coding and i was learning from after effects video uh, that was wow idea i was very lucky because i had this experience i have a friend here now he lives in barcelona and he has completely a different experience like he didn't connect with people here he's kind of not feeling and he has been living there for a long time i don't think you can or mm, i don't think you can feel isolated like you can feel isolated in london or in new york for instance or in tokyo it's different because barcelona is in a way super outgoing you know like yes and yeah like in terms of friendship like the experience that i had there no? mm -hmm. that i didn't have in london but no i don't think you can of course you have your moments you feel isolated because that's in humans no but i i think the society is not so it's organized in a way that i don't think is so easy to feel like long-term isolation like in tokyo well actually i remember the day that it's snowed because you know i have always that uh, childhood trauma of the snow that i love that i remember that white thing was for me like magic you know as a child like wow what's white everything covered in white is like magic i was on a sick leave actually I had depression <laughs> so I was in a sick leave and you know obviously you are depressed so you're very sad you don't want to leave the house and everything and then I always liked when it rained since I was a child you know in Andalusia people were like oh boo rain I was like oh raining great <laughs> in Barcelona it was more or less the same like oh there is sun uh, yeah like every day of the whole year there is sun beautiful day sunny yeah like the rest of the year you know I was going through that difficult 
period I was at home because you know when you have a sick leave for depression you cannot leave your home which makes you more depressed actually I saw that in the Montserrat there was a snow and then I checked the news and I was like oh my god there is a snow and then I saw that there was snow in Tibidabo and I was like there is no way I'm going to stay here if there is snow in Tibidabo I know where the snow goes so I just took the, the train and I went to Tibidabo and I was like there, you know, like like the same feeling I have here when I see, look at the mountains, like, oh, it's snow, it's magic, it's magic. And I was so calm, you know, I was like, oh, I need to do that and I won't be depressed anymore. <laughs> it was, you know, I was working because the train leaves you at a certain point, but then you need to work until the, the top of the Tibidabo. And I was working with the snow and I was like, yeah, that's my thing, the snow. <laughs> So I remember the magic of that. Mm -hmm. Of course, I have a lot of beautiful memories with my friends, and because I never had like a group of friends, I have point, you know, here, here, different friends, but never a group. In Barcelona, was the first time in my life that I had a feeling of different groups of friends. So I had a lot of memories with amazing things with them. But that moment of the Tibidabo with the snow and me, you know, working there, like feeling that life, you know, like, ah, oh, this is amazing. This, that's one of them. It was, like for me, every time it snows, it's magical. It's like this morning I was working, I was like, snow, wow. For me, it's the beauty of the people that my friends, that, you know, I'm really, um, what's the name? They are precious for me. Yesterday I had a chat with one of my friends because I have a problem with, I'm working on a website and I didn't have, you know, so I called him and he was with me for one hour helping me. I really, really treasure them. I'm fortunate to have friends so different, but we are very good friends. And so this is what it's in my heart, really. That was after eight years with my partner, we were a little bit tired of that continuous kind of struggle of everything. Ah, yes, in Spain, my feeling is like everything is difficult. Like you go and order a coffee and you need to ask three times or you need to explain that you don't like this because you prefer it. For me, it, like it requires a lot of energy. I was like a little tired, like, you know, like I just want to be in a place where it's not a luxury to sleep well. It's not a luxury to, to have like a clean street. It's not... So all these things that require so much energy, I was so tired and we talked and he was a little bit tired also. We decided to move to a place to try just to see, okay, there is a flat in Barcelona, let's try one week in London because of the language. We went there and after 10 days looking for a job, like a hamster in a wheel, you know, that's what I did for one week. Then I got a job in London. So we moved there. He moved back after, soon after. So it was very difficult for me at the beginning because the breakup and everything. And London is super intense. My experience has been all the time, a lot of intensity. So now I know that I didn't go to London to have fun. Not that I was miserable all the time or, you know, I wouldn't have stayed for so long. It's only that People go, you know, in their 20s and, you know, work in McDonald's and they meet a lot of foreigners and they are partying. But for me, it was very, I already arrived, you know, like kind of 
trembling because of the breakups. It was very good because I discovered a lot of things of myself, but very intense. And I was seeing year after year, I was seeing that I was not rooting, you know, I was like my friends, I made friends and they left and then I made new friends and they left and then it was all this kind of, I'm not building anything, I'm not having roots, you know, like work and all the protocols that you need to do. And so my, that's my feeling, like, <gasps> but I, I was able to do amazing things, for instance, all the good things that I was able to learn, all the classes that I took, for instance, I started doing dance classes like there is no tomorrow like everything give me everything charleston funky ballet i was able to do my childhood dream of do ballet doing ballet and you know everything you want to learn every class every museum so it's wow you know that was just amazing how big it is is never ending and this is is never like you is food culture leisure everything that you want for me there are many things <laughs> but it's learning i love learning i i love studying all the classes that i took all the things that you can learn but mainly i remember the first time i went into the ballet class like 30 something and then you start ballet so I'm like <gasps> And then I saw the typical thing, like the wooden, old wooden uh, floor and the piano. And I was like, oh my, this is like honoring my child because I always wanted to be a dancer. It was just, that also was magical. I was working in different companies, but digital design, then brand design, which is what I'm doing now. But uh, it was digital design. And then for four years, I was working in a company as head of visual content, which required me educating some, not only people in the team, but also clients. And actually that experience was interesting because I was the only foreigner. It was impossible to penetrate the Britishness. <laughs> And I'm saying this with love and respect, but four years working there and we only talk about the weather and how was were your weekend. I, I was at the end, I was just laughing like, don't ask me again, how was my weekend? <laughs> UK reminded me to Japan. I think they are similar in that way. I don't know if it's the island because I don't feel here that type of thing. But I, I have never considered myself a spontaneous person. I think a lot before things, but I felt very spontaneous in London. I was like that the spirit of a spontaneity because I felt everything was so constrict and so protocolarian and so it didn't happen with the tea. But I remember in my first company and I was working in the creative team. I mean, you expect creative people to be a little bit alive in a way. And everything was the same, like, oh, okay, yeah. And I remember when I started working there, they said, oh, yes, on Fridays at five, we have a drink. I remember I arrived there in that office on Monday and then Monday, Tuesday, and I was learning everything, you know, very serious. And then they said, oh, Fridays at five, we have a drink. And I was like, oh, nice. And as I said, I'm not super outgoing and I'm not super... Uh, extrovert or anything but I thought okay that's great because you know we have been there working and then they have a nice idea that having this trip and then on Friday at five we all stood up at five from our chairs we went to the hall 
we had a drink. I um, took a bottle of beer and I was like looking around to, and then they took their beer or something and they went to their desk and they continued working. And I was, what? <laughs> so I just took sadly my beer and then that happens also in the second company. That was weird. It was like, all was very nice all the time. And at the beginning, I remember I had to tell my boss, she was actually very nice. I said, the fact that I am not super enthusiastic for everything when I talk doesn't mean that I'm negative. It's only that I'm not like, oh my God, this is so great. Oh, wow. You know, the first days I was in a constant state of, I don't know, like heart attack, like, oh my God, this, oh wow, this is amazing. It's not amazing, it's just an email that I sent, you know. So this constant, I have the feeling that you have to be all the time like that. So I said, warning, I'm not like that. That doesn't mean that I'm being negative. It's only that I'm not faking this. You know, the most cheerful person or something on Fridays, they kind of give that that person could choose the drink of the Friday. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. And you have this or that, but it was the same. So you were working and at five, the person, the cheerful person came like, okay, so what do you want with a, a Cosmopolitan? Or, and then you said, hey, yeah, a Cosmopolitan. And then you were sadly drinking your Cosmopolitan in front of the computer, not talking with the people. And I was like, uh, I, I don't get it really. <laughs> Because this is for me an opportunity to know the people, to have a chat. This is team building with or without alcohol. What was the point of that? You know, <laughs> I was like, I sit only me. I feel this is weird. <laughs> and then, you know, for me, it's like, do you really need to drink to start being yourself? And then I never had bad experiences because probably I left before bad experiences could happen. No? But suddenly when I went to the pub with them, it was like, hey, it's happy hour. We can order. And they, they were ordering a lot of drinks at the same time. I was like, well, I was like, no, I have a gin tonic. No, but you can order two. Yeah, but I only have one because I only want to drink one gin tonic. And, I'm and I was like, no, you know, like, I don't like that. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have to drink to release anything. So I just want to drink because I'm having a nice time. And as you say, we are talking. I want to know you better because I just know that you had a nice weekend. <laughs> it was raining on Monday. And that was raining on Monday, <laughs> exactly. I want to know more. And then that was on the Friday thing. They were just talking, and I was like, okay, I prefer to respect you. And then on the Christmas, again, you know, it was like, I remember just the last Christmas party. I, I went there. We went to dance after dinner, which was great because I like dancing. And actually, I never, I didn't go out in London like a lot. Basically, they had like three drinks and they were all kind of all over you, like kind of mm, dancing, you know with the sensuality and I was like eh, no I prefer to remember you in front of the computer <laughs> just you know that they were stealing my glasses so that I didn't see and they were just, no please just no no <laughs> just stop this <laughs> so I was just taking a a cup like a Cinderella to go back to my peaceful home like oh, I'm going to forget everything that I saw <laughs> that's what I actually didn't like about the British culture the part that I feel that oh man, you can 
you can you don't need to swallow your personality and then spread it like without control on a weekend when you are drinking like feeling horny or feeling violent because you are kind of putting all this under the carpet for the rest of the week just be yourself on a daily basis maybe that's the part that was like, oh my god this i don't have energy to do for this well it was last year because it was a year of big decisions mm. i have been feeling that i was not rooted there i was working from home so my friends were less and less and less and less and i was kind of losing interest and last year was like okay you do it now or never and last year was especially well it was hard for a lot of people i had been thinking about coming for some time i had a partner here and i was thinking okay should i you know leave london how am i going to leave london it's a city for opportunities of work you know blah 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 and then last year was like yeah was a year my father died not for covid but he died in february i spent here for months thinking that it would be for the lockdown and everything and then i went back to spain on the summer to visit my family and everything was like that and i said okay i'm just doing it i'm just doing it i want to see how how iceland is for me what can i build here if any hope so i always like to live in the north because i was born in the north and it's the best place for well i was going to say the best place for a snowy landscape but not this winter but i wanted to have that experience so i said okay it's a perfect opportunity i want to leave london i know london is not my city i knew it since some years before i'm going to big challenges big decisions i'm going to try if it works i will be very happy if it doesn't let's see what's next i came here the first time in 2014 and then i met someone so we were kind of coming going coming coming come so i was spending even sometimes because i work remotely i was spending one month or two months and see oh, okay should i do you know how i feel and i liked it a lot it's completely different from london obviously but i was liking it and also you know the mountains the snow the amazingness of the little footprint humans have here that was something <laughs> i was very interested in yeah i'm going to give it a try actually i feel a connection that i never thought that it would be that it's it's not easy to like meeting friends here and we need to plan with that in advance like i thought this would be easier here so that's a connection that I have. On the other hand, the the city is completely different. Not only it's the pace, but it's here is very quiet. Also for me, maybe if I was working in a company or something, it would be different. But obviously I'm working from home still. So for me, the pace is kind of still slow. It's different if you're in a company and you need to go and work and be there at nine. So it's I understand this. But for me, is that basically is the is not having everywhere full of people, stimulus and like this. So this is basically something that I needed because last year was super intense, and the previous year I have been traveling from Spain to UK because of my father, and the whole year was like here and there, here and there. I really needed this kind of different pace, even if I'm an active person. 
I think it's a good contrast for me at the moment to do that. Obviously, London has anything that you want to do or experience, whatever, you do anything. So here, obviously, the things, uh, the offer of leisure, restaurants, it's more limited. At the moment, I am not complaining at all. I don't need a lot of stimulus and a lot of things to do at the moment because I am already quite active with myself. So they are completely different. But that idea that you can leave the house, even if people are like, oh my God, you like that? You don't see a lot of people in the street. Well, I didn't expect that thing that I told you that to meet my friends. It's not so spontaneous. That it, what it surprised me from the first time that I arrived here to start with the landscape that changes every two hours. If you go on a trip, every two hours you are in a different planet, basically. You are in the beach and it's the black sand and then two hours later you are in the middle of a hill. And how powerful compared to humans, nature is here, like a landscape. I have never felt especially interested in landscapes, but since the first time I arrived to Iceland, I was just taking pictures of landscapes like crazy. Like, oh my God, I'm surprised at myself, why? But I, I cannot stop, you know, I cannot just stop admiring the landscape. And one thing is like the sky here. Every time I go out, I'm like, oh my God, God, it's a magical place. It has double rainbows. It has color clouds. It has the northern lights, which I haven't seen this year still. It has a lot of magic. There is a lot of magic for me to discover here. I was in London. I was quite actually quite nervous because the company I was working for was going to close the digital department. And I was like, okay, I'm going to Iceland because it's super expensive. And before I don't have money, I will <laughs> go there. And I came for three days thinking, oh, I'm so sad. I'm going to drag myself in the streets, you know, because when I am having a difficult time, I travel alone like, oh, and then I arrive here. And I, was like, oh, I don't feel that sad. <laughs> No, it's not that bad. I, I don't feel like so dramatic, you know. When I arrived here the first time and I went to Bonus in Laugavegur, like, oh, well, supermarket, let's see what happened. And then I was like, licorice is chocolate. Ugh, my goodness. Well, okay, like the theory of the improbable things, I need to try. And then I took it and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Licorice is one of my favorite uh, flavors ever. When I tried with chocolate, oh my god, and then when I was eating a lot of the liquid with chocolate. I remember as a child I had liquid bubblegum which was black. So when I was doing the thing, it exploded in my hair. My mother was like, oh, come on, please don't take more of this. I'm going to forbid it to you. I have always kind of this licorice. Sorry, I just got so caught up in that story. I hate licorice. One of my colleagues, he has these where he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, I like heavy metal. And he became a guitarist and he toured the world. And then one day he woke up and he's like, I like licorice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm waiting for that moment. I was like, Carlo, I need to have this moment where I wake up at 3 a.m. I'm like, I need licorice. It hasn't come yet for me. There is hope. There is hope. I think that I made myself quite invisible when I have been traveling because it is sometimes such a kind of inner experience that I am going to places and I am kind of, please don't talk to me because I am having my inner experience. Even here, when I go to the swimming pool, I'm like, oh, I hope no one talks to me because this is so nice. Then I am like, 
my friends travel along and then they are like, oh, I met this and I was talking with that. And for me, like, I don't talk to me, I'm, I'm happy. So I would like still to improve that part mm -hmm. in me. So I would tell to my, you know, to my younger Otilia, okay, do whatever and travel and, and experience because I'm also so very mystic, like, oh, the sunset, this is all for me now. It's nice to be that, but also I will tell her not to miss the opportunity to kind of share that with people around you, even if you're traveling alone. Mm -hmm. Because I have the danger of going too much into my own world and insights. Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe you will wake up one day at 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to street the first person. It's <laughs> still a constant learning thing. You know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Who knows? We're all waiting for a moment. I guess. I traded hurricanes for monsoonal rains, and I loved it. I have no idea what's next. Could be northern lights, Rocky Mountain highs. I've learned to be open to anything. This is the. Truth.